All right, well, it is great to see everybody here. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Romans 8, we're going to continue our series through the end of Romans 8. Um, if you've been with us, you know that I'm, I'm encouraging and calling the church to two things. I'm calling us to pursue a lifestyle where we spend time with God every day in the Word and prayer. It doesn't have to be tons, but just a lifestyle where you connect with the Lord every day especially around his word. Um, I, I, you know, sometimes God just grips you with a thought, and the, the thought that I've been gripped with for a while is like, there's two ways of living. One way is that me connecting with God is going to be the best part of my day, or not. It's kind of like just two choices for me. Either me in God's presence is going to be the best part of my day, or at least really up there, or not. And it's like, doesn't it make sense that God would be the best part of your day? That's what I'm going for. So it's not about rules. It's not about standards. It's not about accomplishments. It just seems right to me that if God's our dad and we're full of the spirit and we're, we're under the grace of Christ, we should be just enjoying the privilege of being able to talk with the creator of the universe as his children. And that should be the best thing. And I'm calling us to also memorize Romans 8, 31 through 39. So, why don't we read it together? And then, and you can read along. I'm going to read it. You can read along as you're willing and able. Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I need you so much. Again, Father, um, we live in your world where it is an entire universe full of your glory. And yet, because of sin, we just don't see it. And Father, I've got this Bible, which is your word, that you wrote by the Holy Spirit through prophets and apostles. And it is so easy for me not to see your glory in it. And to even preach your words but not believe. 
God, this is a terrible thing. So, Father, my prayer today, like I pray a lot, is that you would do a miracle. Lord, where your word says that you can bring your word with power and deep conviction and the Holy Spirit, I pray you do that again today. I pray, Lord, that your word would come to me and to everyone who hears my voice with true power and with the deepest conviction where we would be so gripped by the reality that this is true, by the power and in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Would you do it? Father, everything I need and everything I need to be for your people here, or everyone who hears my voice to be impacted the way you want, would you do it? And God, even in the midst of my weakness, and I'm not even trying to be anything special, God, would you do miracles in the ears and minds and hearts of everybody here this morning? Would you make every numb heart hungry, every hungry heart filled and satisfied with Jesus? And all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, great. It's great to see you. Ooh, I felt, <laughs> you're still here? I was talking to God. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> that is a weird moment. You open your eyes. You're, oh, wow. You're all, I'm not in my prayer closet. Um, okay, focus. Focus, Belfort. Focus. It's really great to see you. Um, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, we're in a sermon series called More Than Conquerors, and we've just been working through Romans 8, 31 through 39, and just savoring the greatness of God in it. This is one of the best chapters in the best, one of the best books, in the best book in the world. It's so, so precious what's in here. And so we're just focusing on this as we're going through so much and so many things are happening. And there's been lots of trials in our church. And God has been gracious through all of it, but just looking to God in it. And um, it dawned on me as I was beginning to work on this passage that even though this sermon series is called More Than Conquerors, and we, this is like the fifth or sixth sermon, I've never actually talked about being more than conquerors yet which is weird, and Rob, typical Rob Balfour. You know, I'm going to title the sermon series this, but we won't talk about the title of the sermon series until six or seven weeks in. Just, you know, why not? You know, I, I, if I were a baseball pitcher, I would only throw curveballs. That, that's all I would do. I just, it's going to be another curve. What about a knuckleball? Nah. What about a fastball? Too straight. <laughs> so we're going to begin to talk about what it means to be more than a conqueror according to God. And if you're like me, the, what you instinctively think about when you hear the idea of more, being more than a conqueror or the picture of yourself that comes into your mind when you hear you're more than a conqueror in Christ is probably not what God himself thinks of when he imagines you or sees you as more than a conqueror. Okay? Does that make any sense? Um, if I say, Robert Belfort is more than a conqueror, you know, I've got the red headband on, no t-shirt, and a bow and arrow that shoots exploding grenades. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody, anybody, M16 with the chain link fed, and the whole thing, we're all in there, get the saw out there, and maybe get something like a Gatling minigun, you know, and the muscles to hold it up, and steady while it's discharging 6,000 rounds a minute. Something like that, but that's not what God's thinking of, and his idea is better. All that, I know, I know. Don't get too disappointed. You know what? You can buy a ticket to the southern states where they do stuff like that for fun. 
All that to say, we're going to begin to talk about this idea of being more than a conqueror in Christ. And the, the big idea begins with knowing God's love and that it is steady and constant and there in the midst of everything going wrong. I think I'm beginning to get what the problem is in life. I think I'm beginning to get what my problem is, and I think I'm beginning to understand what your problem is. I I think I'm beginning to get it. The problem is, is that we don't believe in the unlimited covenant love of God. That's the problem. It's my problem when you're sitting there going, what is Rob's problem? That's the problem. I don't totally understand God's love. And when somebody's looking at you and going, what is that person's problem? This is the problem. We don't really get God's love and understand it as it truly is. And I'm not saying that to insult me or to insult you or to attack anybody. This is the reason I'm saying this. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's writing this by the Holy Spirit so that these are the very words of God, has spent the last seven and three-quarters chapters explaining what the problem in life is, of human sin and us not wanting to know God how he really is, and so being rejected by God and being under his wrath and being put into a situation where we could never save ourselves and should only expect further rejection and punishment from God. And then explaining that God, because he's not just holy and just but his holiness and justice also expresses itself through kindness and mercy and grace that he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to become a man and to die as a sacrifice on the cross so that every sinner who who could never earn anything from God can be completely forgiven and welcomed home as a true son or daughter by the simple act of faith which means just by believing it and trusting that you would get all of this kindness in one way, the easiest way possible. In the Bible, regularly, Paul using the word for free, that you would get all this kindness and all this forgiveness and all this love for free just by believing. And that even though we live in this life and we constantly are doing things that fall short of of the truth of what God's done and we continue to sin, God has sent his spirit into our hearts to overcome the sin that keeps coming out of us and to convince us from the inside out that we really are God's children. All of this argument, the seven chapters, the longest sustained argument in the Bible is bringing us to the point where Paul can say, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. So if that's what God has been working on for thousands of years, and if that's what God has accomplished in Jesus and sending the Holy Spirit, if that's the solution, then the big problem must be not having that. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? If you woke up one day and you were in your doctor's office and he was just concluding telling you something and it ends with and that's why we're going to have to give you a heart transplant just wake up and you're just because whatever and that's why you need a heart transplant the one thing you know is there's something wrong with your heart even if you don't know anything else 
if your doctor is trustworthy and not selling bits of you on the black market for cash. <laughs> Does that make sense, though? Well, well, what, what's going on here? And that's why we're going to have to do a triple bypass. Okay, so there's something wrong with my heart. If you wake up in Romans 8 at the very end, and Paul is waving his arms and saying, everything I've just been telling you for the last seven chapters has all been to convince you that God actually is for you in Jesus Christ, and he actually has given you his son, and along with his son, he's really going to give you everything else, and because he is the God who justifies or condemns, and he has chosen to justify you and not condemn you, you cannot be condemned, and Jesus Christ himself, who is alive, is in heaven right now, praying for you so that everything he's accomplished for you on the cross will be given to you and nothing will be lost because he's praying and asking the father that nothing will be lost and so you cannot be separated from the love of christ not knowing god's love must be the problem does that make sense and it's been my problem my whole life and it's probably been your problem too that you didn't know it that at one time being separated from God's love, you could be welcomed in for free through Christ. And now that you're here, that persistent unbelief that God really, 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 really does love you in Jesus with a love that he has already done everything to keep you in. Amen? And so he asks this question, what or who, who shall separate us or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And all God's people said, yes. Yeah, it's supposed to be no. The answer is supposed to be, we we were Sunday schoolers, we know know what the answer is supposed to be. The answer is no. But I'm not talking about the words that come out of our mouth, I'm talking about how we live. Okay? With how we do life. When we read the news or go to work or have that argument or whatever, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or stress or persecution or nakedness, feeling like you don't have enough, or famine, feeling like you don't own enough, or danger or sword? And our lives respond, absolutely. All that stuff separates us from the love of God every day. Right? And stuff that happens at home, the stuff... Well, can your wife separate you from... Yes, you can. Can your husband? Yeah, absolutely. Can your kids' behavior at church? You bet. Can your boss? Even at Calvary Chapel. Can Robert Belfort step you from... You don't know what it's like to work with him. He absolutely... I forget that there even is a God sometimes when I'm in the room with that guy. It's that bad. Can the politics separate... Yes. Can your health? Absolutely. The pain... In your back or in your head or in your knee or your, your tingles all up and down. Does this set? Yeah. It sure feels like it. So it must be true. Your childhood, what happened? Can that separate? It sure feels like it. Can we, can we all just get real? It doesn't seem like there's anything more fragile than knowing God's love. For us. Your typical... Canadian Christian, the, 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 the thing that can get taken from us first, like we've left the windows open in our car and our wallet on the seat in some downtown city, the first thing that gets taken, right? 
And then if you tarry, that you then come out the cinder blocks and the tires are gone. They're just factory hubs. Like, why would you even? But the tires are gone. And then the stereo's out of there. Somehow they managed to get all the gasoline out. But the first thing is the conviction that because of what God has done, I will not be separated from his love through Christ. Amen? And so, what does it mean to be more a more than conqueror? Is that you grow in that way where you know, tomorrow will not separate me from the love of Christ. My yesterday does not separate me from the love of Christ. I don't know anybody who can separate me from the love of Christ. There are no words that come out of people's mouths that can separate me from the love of Christ. There is no success or failure I can have that can separate me from the love of Christ. This is the beginning and maybe even the totality of being more than a conqueror in this life. Amen? So I'll just take a deep breath and think for a second. I don't want to. I don't want to lose this moment. What have you been wanting your entire life? It's a holy God who looks at you and says, "I love you. I like you, and I'm proud of you, and I want to be with you." And when you experience that, there's nothing left to satisfy in your soul. I love you. Yeah, but do you like me? Yeah, I like you. Yeah, but you're disappointed. No, I'm proud of you. Yeah, that's fine, but you're far, and I want to be with you. And this is the gospel. In Jesus Christ, you get God as your dad who loves you, likes you, is proud of every step of faith you take, ready to, yeah, he's got some correcting to do because he wants us to be all that we can be, but he's so easily pleased when we take steps of faith. And his idea is that at the end of time, we will get declared innocent in his sight and rewarded for everything we've done. Taking steps of faith. He's proud of us. He wants to reward us publicly. Get all of your friends from high school who thought those thoughts about you and put them up there. Some might go to heaven. Other them are going to the lake of fire. And he's going to be proud of you in front of all those high school people. And he's going to declare their, their rewards. And, and then he's going to say, and let's be together forever. Yeah, that is right. And when you're living there, it's just kind of like, so why was I so strung out, stressed out, worried about? What What? Ha- what happened to that thing? Where'd it go? Now, I'm not saying life's not hard. I'm just saying that, that this is the thing. Amen? And so Paul continues on and he quotes scripture here and i'm going to tell you i really had to wrestle through this and i'm not even sure i'm totally done thinking through this but i'll share with you where i'm at this seems like a weird time for me in this letter for paul to start quoting scripture in between what shall separate us from the love of christ that question and then the no i am convinced that nothing will separate us from the love of god in christ this seems like a weird time to pull out psalm 44 anybody else pulled out psalm 44 in a conversation in the last week Last month, last year, ever, ever, nobody, what's Psalm 44? What? Exactly. So this is unusual. I love the unexpected and unusual parts of the Bible. That makes me stop and ask questions and think. And there's always something amazing in there to be found. And so I think what's going on, okay, so if you read in Psalm 44, it's really great. Does anybody ever think that God's in control of things? 
Let's go over there, and I'll let you read some of Psalm 44. So Elmer was just prepping us for communion, and a part of what he was doing was reminding us that God is our king, and kings fight for us. When we go to communion, we go with the confidence that God is our king, and he fights for us, right? Listen to what Psalm 44 says, starting in verse 4. You are my king, O God. Ordained, sorry, you are my king, O God. Ordained salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. I'm not looking to my own strength, he's saying. But you have saved us from our foes and have put, us to, sh- put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever. Sounds great, doesn't it? He goes on to say, but you have rejected us and disgraced us. You've not gone out with our armies. You've made us turn back from the foes and those who hate us have gotten spoil. You've made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us amongst the nations. You've sold your people for a trifle. Five dollars for this person. Demanding no high price for them. You've made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughing stock amongst the people. All day long my disgrace is before me and shame covers my face at the sound of the taunt and reviler at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. That doesn't sound very good. And then he goes on to say, All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you. We've not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place with, of jackals and covered us with shadow of death. If we had forgotten your name the name of our God, and spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have known this? For he knows the secret of the heart. And then here comes the quote, for your, yet for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself and do not reject us forever. And he goes on from there. What is going on here? What, what is going on here? And I think what's going on is that Paul, when he's talking about how the worst of life, tribulations, which means real troubles, distress. I like that word distress because it has the word stress in it. Anybody here stressed out? Yeah, absolutely. Any mom stressed out? It's like, that's all you do. You stress out all day and then you go to sleep and have weird dreams. And then you wake up and do it again, right? Distress. That's what does distress mean? It means distress. I'm dealing with distress right now that I got because my kids won't brush their teeth before bed. And even when they do say they brush their teeth, they didn't use toothpaste. Ah! Or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. So easy to read, so painful to go through. Amen? And he's, re- he's thinking of this psalm while he's talking about this, and he's saying the people have got, of God have written psalms where they have felt like they've been utterly abandoned by God, even when they're doing their part. You heard him say it. We haven't rejected you. You're still our God. We've kept the covenant, but you're the one who's abandoned us. You're the one who's let us down. You're the one that's let us be trampled on. Wake up. That's what the psalm is saying. Not super reverent, but definitely honest. And so Paul is saying, is is that the reality? Sometimes how we feel, is that the reality for us who are in Christ? And I think that's why he says no. 
it's a true expression of how he's feeling, it's not the reality when you're in Christ. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors who, through him who has loved us. For I am sure, and that's the hardest part, those words. Is it up there? Yeah. That for I am sure part. That is the part where we need to grow. We read this, we say, yeah, I know it's true. But the for I am sure part that endures through the stuff. That's where we need to pray. That's where we, we need the Lord. I'm sure that nothing of this stuff, and this is meant to be a comprehensive list. So if you feel like you have something that's not on the list, well, he didn't mention drugs, and he didn't mention alcohol, he didn't mention parents, and he didn't mention children, and he didn't mention this thing. It's meant to be a comprehensive list, and that's why it ends with, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, this, this message is meant to be a beginning. Okay, There's more to say and we're going to say about it. But um, my whole hope and application. What do you want me to do with this, Rob? My hope is I want you just to begin to really pray that God would help you to know the love of God. And there's, there's reasons we don't seek this. Um, if you're anything like me, sometimes you you might feel that wanting to know love is a little gushy, a little wimpy, you know. There's nobody I know of who has a Harley Davidson and on the side it says, cruising to know love, you know what I mean? (laughs) You didn't have to start drinking when I said that, you know, that's on you, man, that's on you. It can seem a little wimpy, a little wussy, right? A little for guys who can't grow beards, quote unquote. <laughs> but I, I've been thinking about this and I, I want us to be in reality. And the reality is, is that knowing God's love is not, is not weakness. It actually takes supernatural strength. Okay? I want us to think like that. Because sometimes we can think, knowing God's love, no, I'm just going to tough it out. I'll just harden up. I'll just be tough. I'm a dude. Like I, I, you know, I'm a dude. I, when I have an accident with a nail gun and it goes through something, I don't even tell people about it. I just pull it out and pop a Tylenol and keep going. I'm tough, you know. I, I, I drink shots and then I chew up the glass and swallow it, as my cousin once did, which was just why would you? But you know, I'm tough. I don't, I don't need love. I don't need your love. I don't need my love. I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture here. Do you get it, though? I'm tough. I don't need love. Okay, if you switch forward a few books in the Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. At the end of chapter 3 in Ephesians, same apostle, Apostle Paul writing... He's doing the same work. He's been describing the gospel. He's been describing everything God has loved, done for his people in order to save them. Sending Jesus, forgiving sin, choosing them before the foundation of the world, raising them spiritually from the dead, uniting them with God's people by faith, and promising to be with them, and to even give them people in the church to encourage and strengthen them. 
instead of just saying, isn't God's love amazing? It's almost like he's learned his lesson that people don't get it. And so instead he prays. Let's read his prayer. At the end of preaching the gospel, he says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom... Every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So we read this. God's way of looking at the world, the right way of looking at the world, is that in order to know God's love in Christ, you actually need superhuman strength. And weakness is expressed in not getting it. Or thinking you don't need it. That's even weaker. If you want to be like Hulk strength, Iron Man strength, if Thor strength, if you want to be somebody who actually has superhuman strength, that's what you need in order to know God's love in Christ. Because it's an unknowable love. This is crazy. Bible's crazy sometimes. Rob's crazy. Bible's crazy. I'm in good company. You're in good company. I want you... It says, may you that you may be, have strength to understand with all the saints what is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. To know something that is too big to be known. It's like Paul saying, I'm praying that you'll be able to eat every hamburger at McDonald's. All the McDonald's. I'm praying that when you go for lunch after this message... And that could be a long time because I'm just getting fired up. (laughs) That you will have the ability to eat everything on the menu, everything in their freezer, everything that they can order in from Winnipeg, and everything that's coming out of the factory, wherever the factory is. I'm praying for strength to be able to get it all inside of you, and you won't win. And you know what? 99 billion served is nothing compared to Christ's love. I'm praying you'll be able to understand this love that's so big it's ununderstandable. You are going to need superhuman strength. And so can I, I'm not, so I'm trying to just take us out of, a, of, of an idea here. The idea is, I'm tough, I don't need love. Or I'm just going to harden my, I'm just going to put my head down, I'm just going to work. I'm just going to do my best and hope that God's okay with me at the end. Because I can't, I, it's been bad and things go bad and I'm the victim here and I'm actually an orphan and I'll just do my best to work hard. and But I'm tough. I'll just tough it out. Tough it, tough it, tough it. I'll tough it. I'm scared to even begin to want to love because if I begin to want it, then, ah, what if I don't get it? That's not reality. The reality is God wants you to know his love and he wants to rescue you from the weakness of not being able to know it by giving you for free, if you'll ask, the strength to comprehend. And it's for free, okay? When you begin to pray, tell yourself, I will get this for free for asking because I believe. That's how it comes. You're not going to earn it. Don't buy a book about it. Just don't try to do it. Ask for free and then do what God tells you to do. Amen?
Where was I? Okay. Let me just end with some encouragements for those of us who know that the pains of life really do help us to not feel loved by God. For those of us who, this is our reality. Sometimes I begin to a little bit believe that I'm a treasured child of God, but then I wake up. Or, yeah, a boom, you're done. Okay? So some encouragements from the life of Robert Balfour. Okay, so you you have heard me say before that waking up, I just I have wake up miserable every day. Has anybody noticed me saying that? I'm starting to hear back from people that you're hearing. Some people are like, that sounds really bad. Do I pray for you? <laughs> are you serious? Uh, I have come close to having a good wake up within the last two weeks. <laughs> it, sounds so, it sounds so pathetic. <laughs> I can laugh at myself, but it's real. Like, I came really close one time. Really close. And... Uh, but it is true. The worst part of my day is entering into consciousness. And it, it, it feels like I was, I'm on the bungee train to happy land, or on the train to happy land, but there's this bungee cord, and then all of a sudden I'm just getting sucked out of the train door, and that's me waking up. No! And then, I don't know what it is. And, and it's actually really terrible um, and discouraging, but... You know, I was praying today, this week, and I was actually began to really thank the Lord for it. And just be like, I'm so grateful. I don't even know if I want things to change right now. Because I'm beginning to get that I need to wake up and go to be with Jesus right away. Or else I'm sunk. And I'm beginning to act on it. Like, if I wake up, I need to go and be with Jesus right away. And I pretty much have one prayer. Sometimes I don't wake up. The coffee's always pretty good, but sometimes I don't actually get, start to get the thoughts going. I usually put on some worship music. And I'm just there going, God, I need you to show me your glory. Please show me your glory. Please just show me your glory. Please just show me your glory. Something, something. Just show me something about yourself, please. And usually before lunchtime, something's happened. It's, I'm, hey, I'm happy. You're laughing. I'm happy. So... I think it was Wednesday, I was out walking around, just trying to go for a morning walk um, before I get down to business, and I was just on the other side of the block here, and there was a tree, it was a pine tree, and it had snowed, and so there was a little bit of snow on one of the clumps of pine needles, right? And I looked at that, and I'm like, that's water. Water's like clear and wet. And runs down things, right? You're, you're with me so far? Water, clear, wet, runs down things. But God can just like turn down the thermostat a little bit, or sometimes when it's in Manitoba, it's too much, but then he brings it back up in January just to show everybody he's in control, and I'm sure it'll go back down. You can turn down the thermostat, and all of a sudden water is white and dry and stays exactly where it falls. It's like opposite. You just... Plus three, clear, wet, runs down. Negative 33, white, dry, stays. It, it, can, it can clump on pine needles, which is the hardest thing in the world to, to keep on because it's just needles. It's like the thinnest thing possible. 
that grows. And I was just like, that's amazing. God, you're amazing. And, and then that, that little thought, and it's like, you're right, this, you're amazing. And you know what? That's nothing compared to the cross. That's nothing compared to Christ. The gift of the Holy Spirit, oh my goodness, that God would live in me and love me and change me and be so close to me, closer than any marriage, closer than any child, closer than anything. The Spirit who loves me by covenant and will never leave me. Even when I die, I will be in the Spirit and I will go to heaven in the Spirit. I'll be reborn in the Spirit. I will be with the Spirit forever. That is amazing. Glory to God. Glory God, you're amazing. You're amazing. And then I woke up the next day and I was bummed again. And so I had to go for another walk. It was Friday or something, whatever my days. And so I was walking by that field, by the soccer pitch over there. You know what I'm talking about, where the soccer fields are by the playground? I was walking by there, and I was looking at the field, and it's all got these waves in it. You notice that? There's these waves in the field, or like dunes or whatever. And I was looking, and I was like, that looks just like water. Wait a second. Wait a second. So... Water's clear and wet and runs down things, except when it's cold, then it's white and dry and stays where you put it. But when the wind blows on both of them, they look exactly the same. Except one stays. Water waves? Snow waves. They look the same. And if you want to know what a wave looks like, you look for it in snow because it stays the same. And I was like, that's amazing! And then it's like, God, you're amazing. You're glorious. Amen? He's glorious. And that's just his creation. That doesn't have anything to do with Christ. And then you, I just leapfrog. So this morning, I know you guys are, I'm glad you're here. It was more depressing in the first sermon when nobody was, <laughs> was laughing. And uh, this morning I woke up, I was just so discouraged. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm supposed to be preaching on the love of God. I'm like, I don't believe you love me, God. I don't believe you love anybody, God. I'm just not there. And I'm reading Romans 8, and I'm just like, it's not doing anything for me, and I don't know what I'm going to do again, just like every Sunday. And I was having breakfast with the kids, and I kind of learned I can be discouraged and still pleasant to be around, so I'm doing my best. And Jackie's just running around, like, doing the whole five kids, and feeding herself and Timmy and probably one other person at the same time. And she just said, I had this crazy dream last night that we were in the new building and there was this little kind of homage to my mom, who, the one who passed away, Betty, who passed away when Jackie was, was 10. And there was like pictures of her and it was meant to honor her, this pic, these pictures in the new church. They're meant to honor her. And I was just thinking, I think that's from the Lord. I think God's trying to say something that... That he's like maybe redeeming something. I just said that. She's like, you know, I don't think we would have been at Calvary Chapel if it weren't for my mom. Because she was so just broken and discouraged. And she was getting counseling from the pastor. And she really wanted the prayer ministry afterwards. And all of a sudden, all these lights are going on in my head. It's like, okay, Betty, super broken because of her childhood. But wanting to know the love of God. And so seeking it which led her family to come to Calvary Chapel, which meant when Jackie grew up, she was at Calvary Chapel so that Andrew Micklefield could kind of like convince her to go to King's Commission in Winnipeg so that she could meet me, her future husband, and we could start a relationship there. 
And then we could go to Vancouver, where I would finish my school. And then we would have our first child right when I was finishing school. And we had no reason to be there anymore. And she could say, I want to go home and be with my family. And we could move back to Steinbeck and come to Calvary Chapel, which is her home church. And after a certain amount of time, the pastor could leave. And God could tell me that I should come on staff, too, and become one of the pastors here. And God could give me a van that was really broken for free from my parents, which meant that for a long period of time, every couple of weeks, I had to go into the shop and build relationship with one of the mechanics there, which meant that when we bought a new fridge, when we moved to our new house, I was really excited about it, and I invited him in to come and see my fridge when I got a new fridge, and he came inside, and that started to build a relationship, not the only one, but that family started coming to Calvary eventually. And he ended up on our building search committee. And after being a part of a couple failed attempts, he had the idea that maybe we should pursue the SCU. And he also had a relationship with the CEO of the SCU so he could just go talk to him, which led to a bunch of other things. And now we're moving in there soon. Okay? So... Jackie has some weird dream that God gave her. And I'm drawing all these straight these lines from a really broken woman who wanted to know the love of God to we're moving into the SCU. And God wanted to show how he is able to do things. And I, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty convinced sometime Betty got a promise that her struggles God was going to use for his glory and other people's good. And, and in that little dream, I saw, boop, 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 It's connected. And I went from, I don't believe you love anybody, God, to glory. Amen? You're amazing, God. And that the dream would show up this morning when I needed it. And she's just like, I had this weird old dream. Like, she wasn't trying to encourage me at all. It was just a weird dream. So weird, I don't get Okay. God is doing that all the time. 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 With his children who look to him in faith because he really loves them. Amen? And so, those little, just reality checks. Those little reality checks. I'm not blowing smoke or sunshine or anything when I'm talking. God has done it in Christ so that all the troubles of this life do not separate us from his love in Jesus Christ. And he is the one that makes sure that happens. And so let's trust him and worship him and keep going. Amen. So why don't we, we sing? I'll pray. We'll sing. If you want to stand and just glorify the Lord. Father, I just, I just want to give you your glory and... Father, I pray that even now as I'm praying, Lord, these lies about ourselves and about you that keep us from knowing that you really do love us even in the midst of a really broken world full of satanic liars who just want to keep us from knowing the truth. God, would you do a great work? God, you started this and you're going to finish this and when you're done, it's going to be all of us together. And Father, I just, I just, it's just amazing. Father, thank you for 
allowing me to have such weakness in my heart and mind every day. Because I love that moment where I see you again. I actually really love it. And I'm so grateful. And Lord, I, my, my desire is that you would show us your glory every day. Whether it's the fact that snow can hang on a pine needle. Or what it means that the Spirit would indwell a sinner in love. Or that Jesus would, knowing that we hate pain so much, that Jesus would say yes to absolute torture to pay the price for our forgiveness, God, would you show us the glory of Jesus? And would you use that seen glory to help us know that you really do love us? And it's not selfish because you've been working for centuries to bring a people to the place where we'd say, you love us and it can't be taken away from us and we give you the glory and we want to serve and bless you and please you because of it. This is your plan and your will and your joy, so do it, God. And God, I pray we would be able to just surrender. Lord, would you strengthen us in the inner person to be able to comprehend with everybody else how high and deep and thick and wide is your love for us in Christ. And God, even though this is an impossible prayer, you are able to do more than we could even think or imagine for your glory. Father, Go on a glory rampage at Calvary Chapel. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.